Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. The weekly wrap on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle with Elliot Danka, Barrett Ejectish, and Ryan Huang. This week, quite significant because Singapore's COVID 19 rules were simplified. Some restrictions will be lifted in the coming weeks. Yeah, we're talking about safe management measures being streamlined to focus on five areas group sizes, mask wearing, workplace rules, safe distancing, and capacity limits as well. A few huge changes highlighted include no more crossed-out alternate seats in public places, barbecue pits set to be open, gatherings should be kept to the allowed group size, and all sports can resume with up to 30 fully vaccinated persons in approved facilities. While we're easing restrictions, though, we must note that Singapore reported 18,545 new COVID-19 cases as of noon yesterday. This comprises 18,319 local infections and 226 imported infections. The question is now, have we and are we truly living an endemic life without even realising it? On the line with us this morning is Dr. Asok Kurup, infectious disease expert at Mount Elizabeth Hospital. Dr. Asok, good morning. How are you, man? Yeah, good morning. How are you guys? I am anticipating it's a very busy day for you, so I'm going to get into it. Uh, talking about those numbers, to put things in perspective, Doctor, what do you know about the serious cases in ICU, just to, to give us a, a balanced picture? Yeah, those people would have been at risk anyway, so a lot of them are people elderly. I don't have the national details of all sure. the cases, uh, but certainly those are mostly people with specific risks. So it doesn't matter which variant we are talking about. Mm. I think as long as we're talking about COVID-19, they are at risk um, anyway. The thing is, a lot has been made about the numbers, right? I mean, we just told our listeners and you the numbers. Uh, To what extent do you think perhaps we should not be fixating on total numbers anymore? We should just be looking at the numbers that you talked about, the ICU numbers, for instance. You know, Absolutely. So a lot of us have been lobbying for that for a long time because it doesn't make any sense uh, to crunch out these numbers, which are also not projecting the true uh, numbers, to be honest, because a lot of ARPs are not being reported as well. And we do know about asymptomatic transmission and a lot of us are picking up cases of people who never knew they were positive and incidental testing being done routinely in the hospital settings. For example, we pick up and uncover asymptomatic prior infection. So this is going on. So we are just, um, what do you call the ostrich with our (laughs) head in the ground, you know, when we think that all these figures are actually all material when it's not. So exactly as you said, the high equity healthcare resources uh, utilization is what actually matters to us. And in the healthcare setting, that is most imperative. The the rest, uh, it's immaterial. Totally agree with you that one, uh, especially with the incidental testing. Uh, I myself found out that I was COVID positive and I was completely asymptomatic for two weeks. Uh, This was last year, doctor. And now we have this conversation about let's move into endemic. Yet at the same time, the WHO is warning, don't treat COVID-19 as endemic. Doctor, if not now, then when? So I think that every country will have to kind of understand their own resources and dynamics before they decide to open up everything or to what extent they can ease up measures. Whether we like it or not, we are living with COVID-19 to some extent, you may call it endemicity or not, Mm. but I think, you know, it's already happening. And when we have resources and we talk about other things now, as opposed to about a year ago, we have therapeutics, oral Antivirals, for example, are already in, and we also have some other 
therapies up our sleeves. So we do have some tricks that we can do, we can give. And so it's not as bad a situation as it was. So uh, having said that, it's not as if everyone who gets COVID-19 needs to be given all these. So as mentioned, there are people who are at risk who need to get it, but not everyone. So I think we, we the general population, the, the vast majority of vaccinated folk, when they have breakthrough infections, especially when they have a booster, mm. it's all a very mild or asymptomatic infection like yourself who didn't even know that you had it. I don't mm. know whether you were boosted by the time you had the infection or not. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of where our experience is. So I think we have to be quite pragmatic in how we're going to go about this. You talked about asymptomatic transmission, and I believe some people are worried about that because they feel that, okay, you might be asymptomatic, but if you go out in the world and spread it to someone else, that person might then get severe symptoms depending on their own immune system and their own constitution. How to yeah. deal with such concerns? Yeah, so therein lies the responsibility of individuals because, you know, this is what we discussed at a population level. But for individuals, they know that if they are living with people who are vulnerable, elderly parents or grandparents and so on, you come back from your work or from your social interactions, you come back home, please wash up and clean up after yourself before interacting with that individual because otherwise you could be transmitting to them. Especially if those elderly or vulnerable people have not had their boosters or have not been able to mount a vaccine response with antibodies despite getting all the adequate shots. So this is kind of where we have to still be mindful and not say, oh, let's just give up everything, go out there and, you know, don't forget the masks and this and that. So I think we have to still be ring-fencing and protecting the vulnerable because those at-risk people remain at risk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That narrative should never change. Own self, check own self, as they say. Uh, doctor, right. I want to talk about kids. And we've seen reports of how, how they're more susceptible to the Omicron variant. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, she's a mother of two. Um, she and her two kids caught it. They, they say at home, all of them. The husband never caught it. Tell us about how we should approach this with regard to the kids. So most of the kids not having a difficult time, either asymptomatic or maybe just mild infection. So they can ride it through. It's not uh, a difficult thing to try to help to self-isolate them at, at home. I know it's difficult with kids, right? <laughs> you know, it, it's going, going to be quite challenging. But the imperative is, where is the problem area in that house by way of vulnerable folk? If you don't have vulnerable folk in the house, what is there to worry about, mm, really, mm. to be honest? You know, no, not the pet cat. You know, so you have to think about what what you're setting in your household. If it's just parents and the two kids, why? That's the best thing. It's a holiday. Stay, stay home, vacation. <laughs> but yeah. if you have some vulnerable people, ah, then you have to try to get measures, you know, much more reinforced. But the main thing that we should do in this context is protecting the vulnerable people. And, you know, we, we just have to make sure, you see, no matter how vaccinated and boosted we are, these folk will remain at risk. That's kind of where I, I am. Okay. And I, this is where the public should also know these people will always be at risk. It, it, it's not as if this immunity boosted by the vaccine is going to be forever. Mm. And we, hope, we know that there have been some serious cases despite the vaccination and even the boosting. Let's talk about travel. International travel is opening up around the world. In Singapore, we're opening up more VTLs uh, to other countries as well. What's your perspective on this? I mean, will this make things more dangerous? Do imported cases even matter at this point? Yeah, you know, just a few months ago, the the 
you know, it was imported cases were tipped as the, the main, you know, the main numbers were coming in, trickling in via the uh, imported route. But now, look at it. It's the community transmission. The imported cases are just a minuscule in your daily statistics. And so I don't think it matters anymore. And really what matters are just the local uh, ways of trying to mitigate transmission to the vulnerable. And I think if we keep that objective in mind, uh, we can allow travel. I think travel should just go on and we can try to be, you know, reasonable in the countries that we're visiting because obviously different countries have different rules, etc. I'm not saying that, oh, it's okay, go out there and try and get COVID. Listen, individuals out there, you may not know it, but if you are like markedly obese or you have chronic lung disease or something like that, even though you think you are armed and boosted with the vaccine, you might have a roller coaster ride with COVID-19, not to mention collaterals like long COVID, et cetera, et cetera. So my advice, no, you still stick to certain measures. I think avoid a lot of crowded areas in such countries, et cetera. But if you ask me, travel, yes, resume it. Mm, yeah, don't mess around with long COVID. That <laughs> one was another personal experience of mine. Uh, final question, doctor, just to wrap things up. Um, and it's semi-personal. I'm sure a lot of people are thinking the same thing too. My wife asked me what she should do if she were to get COVID. Should she isolate herself? And then she said, but you know, you have already gotten it. You've got a buffet of antibodies in your body. How should she approach it? What would your advice be, doctor? Well, you know, if you get the, uh, if you're tested positive for COVID, you still have to follow the national protocols where you have to try to self-isolate for at least 72 hours. I think the, 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 the issue is someone, if you know you have it, you try to mitigate the spread as much as possible. Because even if you're asymptomatic and all that, there is still a risk of transmission. So do what you can in the context of being socially responsible. And you, you know, do within the latitude of your household, try to do what you can. Just sit in there and take that 72-hour break. It's just 72 hours. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, chill and Netflix do what you <laughs> <laughs> Stay homecation, as you said. I, I think that's kind of like so difficult in this rat race life of ours to get 72 hours of zen. You can, <laughs> maybe it's not zen, <laughs> but whatever. But I think mm. it's, it's what you should do. You you know, you this may change along the way. This is kind of where we are right now. Like I said, the whole point of this, if people were to focus, why are we doing all that? Because you say, oh, it doesn't matter. We all really have mild infections, no big deal. But listen, there are still folk who are at risk and they always remain at risk. And these are the folk who are taking up space, resources, um, in the healthcare setting. And we don't want that. You know, hey, we are all going to grow old one day, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. All get illnesses. These people didn't want it by choice. So we have to protect our fellow humankind. Well said. We've been speaking with Dr. Asok Kurup, infectious diseases expert at Mount Elizabeth Hospital. Thank you so much, Dr. Asok, for joining us today. You stay safe. Right. Have Thank a great you. day. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.